If you've ever spent any time working uh, where you had to, you know, my dad always, I never really worked on a farm, so it's not an illustration I can give, but my kids have heard it, and uh, many other people around the country have heard it. My dad gives the illustration of working on the farm, growing up, and how dad want, his dad, grandpa, wanted the rows of the corn straight, and how he learned as a nine, ten-year-old boy to drive a tractor and furrow a straight row of corn. And, and keeping your eye on the, the goal line, keeping your eye on the end exactly where you needed to end up. And you, you get there by having a direction that you're headed. He tells many other stories I don't have time to tell you about growing up on a farm. But I, I want you to know, beloved, if you aren't careful, how many ever been, my brother Daniel cannot drive and do anything else. Some of you are gifted. You could do two things at once. Daniel can't, okay? I'm just telling you, Daniel. I mean, he, he'll, he'll be driving, and if he looks down at the radio, the car goes like this. If he looks over here, the car goes like that. I mean, he just can't drive straight and, and do anything else. I'm telling him, listen, I'll get it for you. You just tell me what you want. Keep your eye on the road. <laughs> now, some of you, you aren't that bad. You can look down. You can grab something, you know. Some of you can drive a stick shift, eat a Whopper, and drink, drink a coffee and, and uh, drive all at the same time. You're gifted. But most of us, we got to keep our eye on the road. What I'm saying is if you don't have a direction for your life, you're going to drift. You're going to drift. Beloved, it takes a constant fighting against the flow to keep from drifting. One doesn't have to spend long in the pages of Scripture to find drifting disciples. Elijah drifted into depression. David drifted into immorality. Demas drifted into the world. Josiah drifted into sin after doing what was right for many, many years. Ananias and Sapphira drifted into deceit. Achan drifted into greed. And we could go on and on and talk about Christians who it wasn't their purpose. It wasn't their plan. It's not where they wanted to end up. But they drifted. They drifted. They drifted. And we must fight against the flow. Why? Because the direction that drifting takes you. Can I tell you tonight that drifting is always downstream? Drifting is always downstream. There hasn't been anybody yet that drifted upstream. When you put it in neutral, when you shut the motor off, when you put the paddles back in the canoe and you just relax for a little while, you're going to drift downstream. A man, the Bible tells us, drift towards his own lust. James 1, chapter 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Of his own lust. When he's drawn away. That slow gradual process of being drawn. Being drifting towards those things. Just letting yourself go for a little while and you drift. All we need to do is look at Lot. He had the option to choose where to go. Abraham said, hey, choose what you would like and I'll do the other. And he looked around and he says, you know what? I'm going to choose what looks like the easiest part. I'm going to choose where the grass looks greener. I'm going to choose this path right here. And he, I don't think Lot planned to be where he ended up. But he chose the easy path. He chose that greener grass. Someone has said the reason the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence is because the devil has been over there painting it. It's the truth. 
Can I tell you what Satan's selling is a lie. It's a, it's a mirage. It's not reality. Beloved, when you and I are just doing what feels good, we're drifting. You're living life by your passions instead of by biblical principle. Man is going to drift towards his own lusts. Man, when we drift, we drift towards loss. You don't even realize it, but you're always moving towards loss. Lot, the Bible tells us that he looked. He longed. He lived. The Bible says he lingered in Sodom. And we know that in the end, he lost. It cost him a great deal for that time down in Sodom. Lot was going to find out that Sodom may have been a good place to raise cattle, but it wasn't a very good place to raise kids. Can I tell you that this world is not a good place to raise kids? This world, I mean, I, 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 am, I remember as a young man thinking, I'm not sure I want to have kids bring kids into this old world, the filth of it, and, and trying to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And, and listen, I want to tell you that there is hope in God. And regardless of how wicked the world gets and how vile uh, things around us get, you can still raise your kids up for God. God is more powerful than the world, and if you follow Him and do what's right, train Him up in the ways you go, you can raise kids for God even in this wicked world. Some of you are grandparents and you're burdened for your grandkids because you know the world we're living in. Can I tell you Satan wants to destroy them? Satan wants to take these young people and the Bible says he desires to sift them as wheat. I think about and hear about the the wickedness and the challenges that these kids deal with on a day-to-day basis. The things that they're faced with. And it's a battle to do right. It is a struggle to do right. But you have to fight against the flow. As a parent, you have to fight against the flow in raising your kids up. If you're going to raise your kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and don't let them just go to the devil. You have to fight against the flow. Can I tell you the flow is taking them the wrong way? The flow of just relaxing and taking it easy as a parent and, oh, I'm not going to really worry about that, is going to allow the kids to drift where they shouldn't be. You've got to fight against the flow and fight against that, that laziness as a parent and fight against just, just taking it easy and, and be a, a godly example and be the strong disciplinarian and be, as, as the Bible says in children, to be uh, as an arrow in your hands. You're going to direct them, to point them in the right direction. You have to fight against the flow. When you and I put it in neutral, we will start rolling backwards. Can I tell you, husband and wife, tonight that you are not going to drift into a better relationship with your mate? It's not going to happen. I can tell you, if you're in neutral right now in your relationship, if you're drifting, if you're just letting it happen, I can tell you where you're going to be in a year from now. You're going to be in trouble. Because you don't drift into a better relationship with your mate, it doesn't happen. You have to do something on purpose. You won her heart by pursuing her. 
You won her heart by loving her, by showing you loved her and had care and concern and compassion for her, invested time and energy in her. And now you're going to put it in neutral and not do anything. You're going to be in trouble in a year or two. It takes living life on purpose. One of the biggest problems husbands and wives have in their relationship is they're letting life happen to them instead of getting up and living their life on purpose. Saying, listen, we're going to have a right relationship. We're going to have a close, loving, compassionate relationship. And that means it's going to take some time. That means I've got to be available for you. You've got to be available for me. We've got to invest this time together. I want you to know that you are the most important person on this earth to me. And I'm going to be willing to sacrifice or give or do what's needed. And that's going to be evident in my actions, not just my words. You've got to live life on purpose. You don't drift into a better relationship with your wife. You don't drift into a better relationship with your kids. You don't drift into a better relationship with God. Drifting is always downstream. You can't just hope that one day, oh, well, one day I'll be close to God. You can be if you choose and determine to be. If you say, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to go after. I'm going to set my affection on things above. And you will be a stronger Christian. You will have a better relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's going to happen because that's the direction that you're headed. But can I tell you, if you're just drifting, you're drifting down. Secondly, we've got to fight against the flow because of the deception of drifting. You see, here's the lie. Just like Kelly and her family thought everything was fine, that it was such a peaceful, calm day, the water was as calm as it had ever been, yet the whole time they were being pulled to the edge of destruction. The deception is the slow, gradual decline that takes place when you're drifting. You don't even realize it, and yet you're being you're drifting towards destruction. You're drifting towards Satan's goal for you. Satan has sold you a lie. And, oh, you're not living in sin. You're okay. You're just not fighting against the flow right now. You're just taking it easy. You're just not, maybe you're not as dedicated or as committed or as pursuing as you once were, but, but things are all right. Can I tell you, if you're drifting, they're not all right. Because you're drifting down. You may think, like Peter, I'm just going to warm myself by this fire. I have no intention, no plan of ever denying Jesus Christ. I know he is God in the flesh and he's never made a mistake, but he must have on this one because I'm not going to do it. You know, the Bible says that first he began to follow afar off. Peter was there and he just drifted a little way from Jesus. Oh, no, I have no intention of denying him. I'm okay. I'm just going to stand back so I don't get caught up in whatever happens to, to him. He was following afar off. 
And then, you know, the Bible says he warmed himself at the fire. And they recognized him and called his name. Said, you are one of the disciples. And he said, I'm not. And they said, yeah, yeah, pretty sure. I've seen you with him, with Jesus. And to try and disguise himself, you know, he cursed. I mean, what a testimony for what a Christian shouldn't be if Peter, trying to show that he wasn't one of the disciples, cursed. That shouldn't be part of a Christian's language. And he ultimately denied Christ, but that's not where he was planning to be. You see, beloved, drifting is not usually a deliberate action. It's not the plan. Mary and I stopped and talked to a young man this week for a few, just a few brief minutes. And can I tell you, he's drifting. It's written all over him. In, in his apparel, in the way he was dressed. In how he carries himself. It's written all over him that he's drifting. He's drifting towards the world. He wants to pretend and act like everything's okay. And hey, I'm still here at church. I'm still, I, I still came in and sat in the pew here. But it's written all over him as plain as if he had a sign over his head that says he's drifting. And if God doesn't do something in his heart, I say within a year, he'll break his parents' heart and he'll be out of church. Because he's drifting. Right now, it's not that bad. Right now, I want to still be accepted by all of my peers and all of my friends and all the people that know me. And so I'm going to kind of toe the line. But really, in my heart, I've drifted quite a ways. Jesus said, you're here, but your heart is far from me. That's the deception of drifting. It makes you think that everything's all right. That you're okay. Beloved, we need unmovable markers to guide us. Randy Falls was spearfishing off the coast of Florida. He dove into the water and he clearly marked his dive site with a yellow buoy. Yellow buoy was tied off to some coral reef. His family was in the boat above. He was an experienced diver, knew what he's doing, and he went down to the bottom and Looked around doing whatever they do down in the bottom down there. And his family was given the assignment. They could play around. They could swim. They could do whatever. But they were to stay in sight of the buoy. That's what they were supposed to do. That was their assignment, their job. Well, an hour and 20 minutes later when he surfaced, he surfaced to find that he was out in the middle of the ocean all by himself. There was nobody around. For as far as he could see, there was no boat. There was no rescue. He wondered, where in the world did my family go? What has happened? He, of course, was very concerned, floating there in the ocean with, with nothing. Uh, but, but he did have a, a, a spear gun. He was spear fishing. So he didn't know what to do. Then the sharks started circling he said twice the sharks got brave enough to uh, approach and actually bump into him. It was not long after that that he noticed a boat 
that was some distance off, and he began to swim towards that to get away from the spool of sharks and to d- decrease the distance. And he had a yellow uh, flag of some kind he was waving to try and get their attention, and this was a fishing boat that happened to be out there, and they rescued him. It wasn't until later that day when he was reunited with his family, his family who were still in sight of the buoy, his family who did what they were told, and they were wondering why in the world Dad was down there so long. He never came up. You see, what happened is the buoy came untied, and the big buoy began to float, and it floated miles. It drifted miles from where they were supposed to be during that time. All the time, the kids playing on the boat and running the boat around, and oh, oh yeah, there's the buoy, and they drive back over, hanging out top of the boat, and then there's the buoy, and they're just... They didn't even realize that he had, they had drifted miles. So far, he couldn't even see them. You see, if we're going to toe the line, we've got to have a fixed point to keep from drifting. An anchor. An anchor that's sure. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Drifting is unintentional and oftentimes it's undetected. We need God and be tied to the rock. I don't know how much time you've spent on the water, if you've done anything in a canoe canoe or a float trip or whatever. It's pretty mind-boggling how quickly you can go quite a distance. You're in a canoe out messing around, and before you know it, you think, whoa, I'm a long ways from shore. If this thing tips over, I, I, I don't have a life vest. Uh, I better turn around. I, I've been there numerous times in my life where I got myself in a place I thought, you know what, this is not real wise. Because you travel, you drift a long ways before you realize it. And it happens spiritually, too. It happens spiritually where you drift a long ways before you realize how far you've gone down. Believers that were not planning to get out of church. I wasn't planning to leave the church. I wasn't planning to leave my wife. I wasn't planning to get addicted to pornography. I wasn't planning to go down this road. This is not where I was going. I was just taking it easy. You see, beloved, when they stopped fighting against the flow, they began to drift, and they did not even realize how far they had gone. And Satan won another victory. We've got to fight against the flow because at the end is sure destruction. The destruction of drifting. The destruction is, is when you drift long enough, it becomes a way of life. It's not likely that Lot ever intended to really live in Sodom. It's not likely that Lot, in his heart and mind, when he he casted his tent towards those greener pastures, that in his heart and mind he thought, well, I'm going to be a leader in the city of Sodom. I'm going to be a man that's respected in the society there. That's not necessarily where his goal was or his ambition was. He just began to drift that direction and he allowed it to happen. Beloved, the old saying that sin's going to take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay is still applicable today. When you allow yourself to drift... 
We're going to look at the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. It had a lot going for it. We know that he said, I've got somewhat against thee. You've left your first love. Can I tell you, beloved, the spiritual drifting is not an experience that is lost, but it's a person who's left. When you drift, you're leaving the master. Drifting will rob you of your spiritual discernment. You think about Lot. He reached the point where he told the wicked men of that city, listen, don't do anything to these these men that have come into my home. Take my daughters. You talk about somebody that's completely lost all their discernment. It's gone. Like, what in the world are you thinking? That's what happens when you drift. You see, because wisdom comes from God. And when we drift and drift and drift and get away from God, we lose that source of wisdom that we need for our lives. It'll rob you of your spiritual discernment. The wickedness of Sodom had so calloused the heart of Lot that he did the unthinkable. Corinthians 15.33 tells us that evil communication corrupts good manners. You know, you can't drift that direction and expect to be okay. The the old uh, saying or song, you know, you can't run with a skunk and smell like a rose. It's just the facts. You, you can't do it. You know what happens? Have you ever been around somebody that was nose blind? You know what I'm talking about? They can't smell like, like pig pen in, in Charlie Brown? He's walking around. This aroma is just around him. <laughs> Everybody, everybody could smell it, but he can't smell it. He's nose blind. Just doesn't even realize it. It doesn't take that long to get nose blind. You go into uh, somebody's home, and when you first walk in there, you might be like, wow, it's burning my eyeballs. The smell is so strong, it's hurting my eyeballs. But you stay in there for 45 minutes, you're like, oh, yeah, it smells, but it's not that bad. You're getting nose blind. It doesn't take that long at all. And, brother, when we, we allow ourselves to drift, we get spiritually blind. We get desensitized. We get used to it. Hosea said of Ephraim, strangers have devoured your strength, and he knoweth it not. He said, oh, your strength is gone, and you don't even know it. I think about Samson. The Bible says he got up and he wist not that the Spirit of God had departed. He didn't even know that the Spirit of God was gone. That's what happens when you drift. Lot should have left Sodom many, many years before as soon as he realized what it was. 
but he didn't. And he was robbed of his spiritual discernment. Beloved, when you're not fighting against the flow, you're drifting. I know it gets wearisome. But you got to keep swimming. You got to keep swimming. If any of you have ever done any swimming, man, you get wore out quick, don't you? (laughs) I remember one time my dad and I were with some of the interns from here and and, uh, my brothers. I don't remember who all was there, but I know that we were taking the interns and I know my dad was there. And we were up at Coal Country, and we were riding the four-wheelers, and we were out, and there was a, there's a big body of water there. We, we call it Emerald Pond. It's, it's our own name for it, but that's what we call it. Very beautiful body of water. And out in the middle of this is a little island. And one of the interns wanted to swim to the island. And uh, my dad said, I don't know if that's a good idea. That's a long ways. And I told dad, I said, I'll go with him. And he's like, okay. About halfway there, I thought, I hope this boy can swim because I don't even know if I'm going to make it, let, let, alone, let alone save him. I mean, I was struggling. And I'm thinking, That's, that island is still, we got a long ways to go. You know, when you're looking across water, it doesn't look that far. But when you start swimming it, and I was struggling, man. I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And if I'll tell you what, if he starts sinking, we're both in trouble because I do not have the strength to save him. My, my dad uh, had some uh, confidence in me that he should not have had at that point. <laughs> He's like, okay, you, you go save him, you know. And I was, I was like, oh, my soul. It was so hard. I know sometimes when you're in life and it just, you get, just get so weary and you just say, you know what, I just want to take it easy. I just want to relax for a little bit because it just, I'm just tired of swimming upstream. It's too hard. But listen, when you start drifting, you're drifting downstream. And you're going to end up back where you were. Then you got to cover all that ground again. Keep on swimming. As we talked about this morning, don't let Satan have the ground that you've already won for God. Lot, by God's grace, was sent a messenger. He was warned of the coming judgment of that wicked place. But as they were leaving, you remember the story, Lot's wife, she looked back. She looked back. She had drifted so far that more of her heart was there. You see, she didn't look back with with eyes of curiosity like, boy, I want to see what God is doing. I don't think that she would have been judged for that. She looked back. I think that the implication, what he's saying is that her heart was looking back. Her heart was saying, oh, no, my precious Sodom is being burned up. Oh, no, I'm leaving that which I love. If you aren't careful, you'll drift so far that you'll have more in the world than you do in heaven. When as Christians, we should... Have more in heaven. Be aware if you're slipping or drifting. Could I encourage you tonight? Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until you're pinned up against the wall and the water is rushing over about to sink your boat. If you feel it pulling, if you feel the undertow, if you see yourself drifting, turn back and return to the former things. 
Admit you've drifted. Repent of your drifting. You can drop anchor and set up some boundaries. Hebrews 6.19 says we have hope because we have an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth in to that within the veil. We've got an anchor. You need to grab a hold of the anchor. Pay attention to the warnings. He says here, therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed, more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Lest at any time we let them slip. Give earnest heed. Fight against the flow.